Hi there, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. Welcome to episode 61. The truth is, I'm on paternity leave right now. My wife gave birth almost exactly two weeks ago today, and it's amazing. Any of you who have kids, you probably know it's crazy. The first week has been, what can I say? Sleep deprivation. That's the one word. The other word is overwhelming light and love and ecstasy. So I'm more or less off from work, but I did want to share with you this weekly podcast and This week, we're going to do something just a little bit different. I am going to share with you an interview that was conducted where I was interviewed. And I was interviewed by someone that we featured on episode 47, Harry Duran. He is the host of a popular podcast called Podcast Junkies. Harry and I recently reconnected, and he interviews other podcasters about their shows So this is the interview that I did on his platform. Now, Harry, he has himself a very powerful spiritual practice. And my interview of him in episode 47, we really focused on meditation and affirmations. And if you haven't heard that yet, I encourage you to go check it out. It's a great show. In fact, it's one of our most popular. Episode 47, check that out. Harry is also the co-founder of Podcastica, which is the podcast network that we're part of. And you can check that out over at podcastica.com. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. It's very intimate. It's just like two friends talking. And we start off talking about the spiritual community we were part of a few years back. That's the spiritual community I lived in, uh, the ashram, for 15 years for a good part of that time Harry was part of it so we recently got back in touch and we we take a real deep dive in this interview into different aspects of meditation and we talk about questions like what is the relationship between meditation and mindfulness why did I start meditating to begin with over 20 years ago and what's it like to go on a silent retreat what happens and and what were some surprising stories more recently that have moved me related to meditation and there was something like I said very intimate about this show and this conversation with Harry he's a great interviewer and I felt and I hope you agree I felt he pulled the best out of me so with that I'm going to turn it over to Harry this is the rebroadcast of his interview with me which he did on podcast junkies which is his show and just so you know we kind of where we pick up we are kind of reconnecting and talking about uh enlighten next the spiritual community we are about and then we go into these questions and then at the end i also include a little bit of the coda where he sort of comments on the show so check it out all right enjoy for the benefit of the listener we've known each other years now right yeah. and we um because we were part of a, a group called enlighten next uh which is a we're, we're definitely gonna get into that a little bit but um and then we just you know i i 
left the group and you left the group and or the group disbanded and and yeah. we sort of lost connection and then um you found me via a a comment on an episode or i think you listened to a, one of my recent episodes right it was on the rainmaker master feed that yeah. i saw harry duran interviews jared morris <laughs> and i was like harry that's a podcast junkie do i know it? and then i listened to it i was like that's my harry uh that's funny and then you reach out i was like you know it's funny. You know it's funny because when you hear, um, it's like a blast from the past, like you know, yeah. and these voices, and they, and it's just human nature that the the voice and and um, that experience like takes you back to where you were um, personally, where you were, like you know, where your mindset yeah. was when you knew this person and and all the things you experienced together, and it was just like like a flash like a wave of, of emotions came back, like, you know, wow. and of all the things like, you know, um, cause we participated in an organization and, yeah. and it was like, wow, man, it was, it was, and it was like a real, I, the majority of everything that came back was like really positive and, and just mm. a, a reminder of like what a great experience I had. So that's awesome. Um, again, just trying to educate the listener. So enlighten next was, uh, um, oh, maybe you probably the best person to give the, the 30 well. second synopsis of what the group was. I'll do my version. You do yours. Yeah. So I was like, it, I think of it as, you know, it was a spiritual educational organization and we had a teacher who had this particular insight that was very powerful. And, but really we were a kind of international community and we did a lot of spiritual practice, a lot of meditation, and it had this whole evolutionary worldview dimension to it and really kind of, uh, it positioned itself as a very forward looking kind of solutions oriented, uh, community. And, you know, we, we, and also an intensive practice community. We do a lot of spiritual practice and we, we tried to evolve perspectives. That was like one way you could say it. We, we wanted to help evolve a new worldview that could help deal with the complexity of our current shit show, uh, <laughs> which is on display in America right now in spades. But like to, to how do you begin to transcend these intense polarized divisions that sort of tend to be the hallmark of modern and even to some extent like early postmodern perspectives. Yeah. And I think for me, a lot of it, you know, it's, and it seems like with every passing year, meditation is just becoming such more common um, yeah. and it's yoga, meditation, all these meditative practices, contemplation is, it's almost the norm now, you know, and that people expect that, you know, if you, 10 years ago, you tell yeah, people it's like, amazing. <laughs> you tell people 10 years ago, yeah, I meditate every morning. They look at you like, what, like are you some type of weird swami or something like yes. that? <laughs> yes. Oh, and so, yeah. yeah. The um, so the organization I found it at a time when I was like uh, had just moved to Atlanta, and I found a local group um, that was part of the, part of the organization, and then I started meeting with them on a regular basis and meditating with them, and then eventually I expanded my participation to joining some of the retreats they had, and I think one of the most um, life changing ones that I, I participated in was the ten day silent retreat. And where where was that? I did the one in Denver. Yes. And, um, it's so, so funny cause you think, well, you spent, uh, 
10 days. Well, I'm just literally thinking about that right now. 10 days silent retreat. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. This was at the Shambhala. Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shambhala. And then and people think like, wow, you must like have this connection with people. But you literally don't speak for 23, probably 23 hours of the day, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and yet you feel very connected. You, you're not, you're in your own thing. And yet you're, you, you do like, it is a strange thing, right? Cause you're completely alone and at the same time, completely connected. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just a crazy experience and you do need like the first two or three days just to literally disconnect. Yeah. And, uh, and then when you, when it kicks in, um, we would meditate, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Morgan? We're like for at least, depending on how hardcore you were going, but at, at the very least you were meditating four to six hours a day. Oh yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easily. So, and, and you know, if you were just in there in all the actual prescribed meditation sessions, you definitely, yeah, I think you would do at least a seven to eight hours. And then, but yeah. most, yeah, I'm sure you did too. Like you end up sitting longer because lots of people are sitting through the night yeah there was i did i did uh i did do one overnight session or at least most of the night yeah and then a lot so a lot of time for the, the listeners are like this is this is the uh the the therapeutic meditation session yeah yeah <laughs> episode <sighs> but for me um you know and i probably you know i'm and you know the regular listeners will know that i've I've talked about the topic of the importance of meditation and we'll get into why that's important. But I think for me, um, it's just grown into, um, a regular practice for me. Not, I can't say every (laughs) single day, but I definitely try to make it a, um, a constant part of, of my daily life now. But I remember at the time that I would just force myself to sit. Um, and, and obviously in the beginning you think like what's going to happen, what's supposed to happen and all these preconceived notions about how you're supposed to handle things. And one of the, you know, I, and I had studied a bit of Buddhism before, so I was a bit prepared for like that monkey mind that happens, um, when you're meditating. But yeah. I had, I had one particular experience where I remember closing my eyes and then I opened them what felt like, you know, two minutes later, but really like the whole hour had passed. And it was in that moment, I was like, whoa, like, I, I finally like, it was, it was kind of like, uh, I was, I was happy that I was able to experience that because, you know, you yeah, go for 10 yeah. days and you feel like you want to have something happen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so actually you, I, I was looking into your bio, you've actually done what, 15 of these? The yeah. 10, the 10 day retreats? At le- yeah, at le- definitely. That's bananas. D- at least, I think probably, you know, I went on all those summer retreats and then occasionally we would do another winter retreat for like another 10 days and that would be just usually a small group of people you just be just still you know you you hunker down in one of the little meditation halls on the property where we had the ashram and you're just boom you're in for 10 days and i did that a few over New Year's and Christmas, I think two or three times, which was a beautiful thing to do. Like in the middle of the snow, you're just sequestered in a retreat environment. And so Colorado, we were in the middle of, I guess it was the summer, right? August. Um, yes. Yeah. Cause yeah. I remember it was like a little before my, uh, my birthday, my 40th right. birthday actually. Yeah. Nice. That, was well, crazy. that is crazy. And, and yeah, so a lot. Yep. A lot. I've done a lot of this and, God bless. I really, 
I'm glad I did that they, you, you build something when you do those retreats inside. And so now you have, um, your own podcast. Yes. And, uh, which is obviously why you were looking into, um, shows about podcasting. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so yours is, uh, the one mind podcast. Yeah. And what was the impetus? I mean, obviously you've had decades of experience as a, as a, as a meditator and teaching and, and all, and, um, what was the driver for you to, to now use podcasting as a vehicle to spread that message? I think there were a couple of dimensions. Like one was I wanted, I had been blogging for like a year or a year and a half. Yeah. And I was like a lot of people, very captivated by the new Rainmaker series. And they did, Brian Clark did this incredible series. And I thought, wow, this, this medium is amazing. I'm completely hooked on what he's talking about and it's just audio. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm really, I'm resonating very deeply with what he's saying and the ideas are really coming through and I'm grokking them and he's through like both teaching and storytelling. He's really effective and music. He's really effectively kind of bringing me in and taking me on a journey. And so, so I had been blogging about meditation for a little over a year, but once I heard their podcast, I thought I want to do that. I think, you know, doing a podcast about meditation would be a lot of fun. Also, I, th I liked the creative challenge. I thought, you know, this would just be a new medium. I want to try it out and see how it goes. And, um, I also wanted to speak to this thing, which is that, in general, there's just so many reasons why people think, and you, you alluded to this earlier, you need to be a particular type of person to meditate. You need to be a yogi, a hippie, a swami, mm. uh, you know, a monk <clears throat> or, you know, basically just not very grounded and, or it just feels like it's way out, you know, it's esoteric. It's what these Zen guys do. Mm. And, and I just felt like, you know what? I just want to talk about meditation and I want to talk about meditation with people who love to practice and maybe they're a teacher, maybe they're a scientist and maybe they're just, you know, someone who practices every day and they love their practice. But I wanted to demystify the practice for people. I just wanted to, I wanted my audience to hear people speak lovingly about their practice. Like, why do you love to meditate? Why do you do it? And then, so I thought, all right, that'll be cool because I can get people to tell their story. Like, cause I like you, I'm like, I'm very compelled by story. And I think it creates a container for what then comes after. So I, you know, I like to ask people like, what's your story? How'd you even get into meditating? Cause usually there's some, some, something interesting that propels people to take up meditation, either it's like a loss or they're healing or they're on some sort of search for meaning or, you know, they want to change. They're looking for some sort of change. So there's usually an interesting story. And then that sets up, uh, always sets up an interesting kind of set of questions then about their relative expertise in meditation. So 
that's kind of like, that was my goal is like, if I can mix, you know, storytelling with someone sharing their expertise, that's what I want to do. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I started. What has, as you think back through the, uh, the interviews you've had with people and they talk about how they were introduced to meditation, is there a particular story um, that jumped out at you with um, someone having taken a, a unique path or a different path um, to find meditation? Well, <clears throat> recently I, inter- I interviewed a guy. I w- so there's me, uh, one or two. but So I interviewed a gentleman recently. He's the founder of something called iAwake Technologies. And that is like, you might have heard of binaural technology or brainwave entrainment. It, it's like it uses a, it uses sound waves broadcast yeah. at different frequencies to kind of shift the brainwave frequency in your brain. Um, or the sound frequency. I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm out of my depth already talking about it. I don't <laughs> totally understand it, but, uh, the, so this is what he does. And this technology apparently can really take you, accelerate your, uh, quote unquote progress or experience in meditation. And so I didn't know much about it. I wanted to interview this guy about it. And he had this very powerful story where he had been an on and off again meditator for many years. And he was, he himself, I think was a recovering addict, Mm -hmm. but his his, uh, his brother, when he was, so he was about 40 years old, his brother committed suicide in his living room. His brother was staying with him and he, and he committed suicide the same week, like the, the same week he lost his job. He found out his girlfriend was cheating on him with his best friend and his dog got run over. And Jeez. it was just like, everything collapsed, you know? And it's like, you think about those moments. You're like, all right, the universe is, when that happens to somebody, that, you know, <clears throat> that's obviously a, a make it or break it moment in your life. It's going to define you. And, you know, he sunk into a depression for a couple of years, as you would expect. Of course. And um, he kind of, in the end, came back to meditation and, and had discovered this technology, brainwave entrainment through someone else, uh, Centerpoint research, I think it was called. Yeah, that he, that's right. I remember yep. the, the CDs. Yeah, Bill Harris. Yeah. And he started doing that and was it it kind of expanded his experience I, I think a lot in the way that maybe uh mushrooms or different hallucin- hallucinogens can kind of open your world up that's that ha- something like that happened for him and he was able to just fall into a very deep state of meditation very quickly because of this technology and then he just that kind of started his healing process. And so that was over 20 years ago for him. But man, he, you know, he describes the process of meditation as really a lot of people talk about like calming yourself, centering yourself, experiencing, um, you know, higher states of awareness. And I think all of that, you know, those are all valid and extremely important, but his kind of message was all about, 
just not moving away from the pain, not moving away from the kind of tragedy that happened in his life after several years of running from it, mm-hmm. you know, and going into a really intense depression. He found this ground in himself where he could actually just sit with it and you know, through his meditation practice after about a year, he did some really uh, significant healing and came out on the other side as, you know, a more, a more whole, a more integrated human being. And if you, you know, if you listen to it, he, you can tell right away, he's a very soulful character. You can feel the imprints of those experiences in his, in his voice, in his kind of overall transmission. He's very positive, upbeat guy, but you just feel, you know, when, when you meet people who've suffered deeply, you kind of feel they have that kind of weight of experience. And that's, that's kind of, I think one of the more recent stories that I found very poignant. Yeah. That was uh, episode 39. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. And what about for you? Like, I know obviously you, you've, do you, could you, rem- I'm obviously not the date, but can, can you remember um, when was the first time that you were conscious of the fact that you uh, wanted to meditate or, or thought to give it a try? I mean, for me, yeah. <clears throat> I think I had like, what was, I guess it was in college. I had an experience that, Um, it was like, I had, oh God, this is a story, man. Yeah. Go for it. All right. (laughs) Well, okay. So this, it's basically like I, I had, um, I think I was suffering really from a broken heart and I was in college and I was really searching for answers and I was, I was desperate to find some sense of wholeness. And I was, I felt, uh, like there was a big hole in my heart and I didn't understand how to heal it. And none of what I was doing, you know, in college, as you know, you just, you experiment with everything and you're looking in every direction to kind of, whether it's through drugs or through extreme sports or through also, I was just, you know, I was, I was pursuing all these extremes and nothing was really filling that hole. And I, uh, so I went on this, I drove, one summer from like Vermont to Colorado, just like a straight shot. It took me three days and I was all by myself. And I, at the time I was really into mountain biking and camping. So I just, I'd never been to Colorado and I really, really wanted to spend time in the Rockies. So I just went on my own. I think I was maybe 19 or 20. And I just spent like seven days uh, camping and mountain biking through Colorado and then out to Moab in Utah. And I was just on my own. And I think like something, something really significant happened on that trip for me because I just, I was so alone and I put myself in such a kind of state of solitude. I went just into the back country and I just went deep, deep, deep in there. And I found myself like utterly alone for probably, I would say the first time in my life. And I was like, how the fuck did I get here? Like what, like, how am I suddenly in the middle of the Rockies on a mountain? No one has any fucking clue where I am. Yeah. And, and like, I'm, I'm a couple miles away from my car at the trailhead and I'm alone. I'm like really, really alone. 
And I, I think that kind of exerted some sort of pressure on me where I was just terrified of being that alone. It freaked me out. And I remember just like kind of, it, it almost like I felt this kind of split inside of myself. I became aware, like there were almost like two sides of me or something. And I, I didn't understand it. Um, but eventually came out of the mountains and met up with my, my ex-girlfriend and it's a wild story because she had been cliff diving in, in Maui around the same time. And she wow. had, she had actually broken her back and like hit a rock, you know, when she like in, in the, when she was diving and like compressed a vertebrae or something. And like what happened to her was like at that time, like her friends pulled her up on shore and left and she had this very powerful awakening experience some sort of this podcast is really (laughs) this is not really what my life is about right now but we're going back so everyone just so you know it's like a a lot of it might sound pretty woo woo at this point we're setting context yeah but but um you know and she grew up her parents used to host uh tibetan monks and Tibetan Rinpoches in their house in Marin County, like that when they were refugees and when they were being persecuted in China. So she grew up in this environment where there were, where there were these kind of holy people all around her, like pretty significantly realized Rinpoches from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, which as you know, is just an ancient, powerful tradition. So I I always wondered about that because so she, she has this experience and she just gets blasted wide open from this injury. And <clears throat> she, so like, then we intersect there in Boulder where she's going to school and she's, this thing had happened to her like a couple of days earlier and she was fi- flying in and we had planned to meet up and she gets off the plane and we, and I can tell right away, she's almost like, I'm like, holy shit. Like you can, she was like different. She was like a different person. Like, and it's, and it, it was like one of these things. It was like suddenly all that stickiness of like an old relationship was just gone. And she somehow was like, uh, she was just in this kind of state of, uh, I don't know how you say it. I would say, it, I would call it, it, if we're back in our enlightened next days, like an awakened state of awareness. Okay. She was just very um, awake, but there wasn't that, there was the sense of kind of no ego and, um, it was, you know, we, we kind of like, we spent a day or two together there, but it just kind of was a very, like, it was a resolution to our relationship and, but also like a, okay, it's really over type of thing. But it, it that was just obvious it, it, and, you know, she made it clear, but something interesting started to happen there, which was like, I started to have this experience of, of like elation and uh, euphoria and I couldn't, I didn't understand what was happening. And I was like vacillating back and forth between like fear and euphoria. And like, then the time came for me to drive home or drive down to Atlanta for where I went to Emory for university. And I was like, every mile I drove away from Boulder the fear just started to recede and the euphoria just took over. 
and I just was, I was like literally just overwhelmed by just the goodness of everything of life. And I felt somehow in that moment, like everything was perfect. My life was, was perfect just as it was. And one whole chapter had just come to a natural close. Another one was beginning and I drove like 24 hours straight under, it was just like, you know, you're just, I was buoyed by this experience and there was a full moon. And I, I, I remember like the kind of driving into Atlanta and thinking to myself, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what, I'm always going to be okay because like the mountains, they're unchanging. They'll always be there. There's a certain element of life that's, that's permanent and that's, uh, that's eternal. And for, I think my mind at that point, the closest representation to that was like the mountains ageless. And there was something in, in me, whatever this thing was that was like animating my awareness. It's, it had this quality of like eternity or something. And then that's when I was just like, I need to meditate. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I think over time I, I stayed, I, I stayed connected to that and tried to understand it. And like it, it, that was like, that changed my life. I, I kind of, from that point onwards, that, that whole experience showed me that like thing, discontinuous things can happen and you can change very significantly on a, and you know, you, it's like there are bigger forces at play here in who we are and what our respective journeys are in this life. And, some of it's mysterious and some of it's within your control. And that was, that, so that's the Genesis story. That's powerful stuff, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know some of that backstory. So it's, it, thanks, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I listen to it, I mean, I get, I get chills, you know, because mm. you can hear, um, you can hear the transformation uh, almost like being replayed. Yeah. And as you experience it, you can hear it in your voice, the effect that it had on you. And I think, you know, it's, it's, and in, in a way, I, I have a feeling that the listener is going to be affected in much mm-hmm. the same way. And it, it's just, just, and it's this unique personal nature of podcasting and how, you know, typically these episodes are listened with earbuds. And so you're speaking into the listener's yeah. ear and, and yeah. these stories resonate. And I think, you know, these, especially where you speak from the heart, um, just almost transport you back to that moment in time. Yeah, you can. Vi- the fact that you can vividly remember all those details speaks to how powerfully that affected you. Yeah, and um, the, the 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 idea of being in nature. I mean, I've, I've had more of that effect recently because my wife and I recently moved from New York, and we live in Los Angeles now, and we're very conscious of just being close to nature. I can look out of my window and see mountains now, mm. and. Um, and this is living in Silver Lake in, in LA, you know, close to downtown, but it's just, it's just a reminder of how much California is really surrounded by a lot of mountains yes. um, that you can see them at every turn. And we go, we, we go out of our way to just go spend time in the desert or go, That's you know, go awesome. and we went to the Sequoias and we went to Joshua Tree and we went to uh, Death Valley mm. and it's this, um, 
feeling of like uh, we recently did it for Thanksgiving where we went and we we didn't want to be here in the city because, you know, we don't our families are you know not here and we just we just don't want to spend a, a long weekend in the city. So we went back out to Joshua Tree. It was our second trip. And we just it's just something about connecting with uh, nature um, that yeah. allows this openness um, and gives you room to contemplate like some of the 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 bigger things in life and and to put yourself into the perspective of um how small we are when yeah. you when you look at like we all you need to do is stare up at the night sky in the desert and you're just like blown away yeah. by the fact that we're just spinning on this marble amidst whatever you know infinitesimal percentage of other uh, stars are, are are doing the exact same thing right yeah yes Oh man, <laughs> that's such a that's a powerful image. The one that you're spinning there, it's like it may it does. It's I feel it the way you were just describing it. It does make you you know that also is like it's what mindfulness is all about. Like that's what for you. you I felt that's what you're just invoking. Like mm. that sense of the present being so powerful, par- partially in the in that. One, one is aware that it doesn't last. Mm. You, know, you, you know, you you are so small and it's like, okay, we got, what, like 10 minutes and then we're gone. Yeah. And it's very, it's a really short time. So on, on one of your recent episodes, you had, you were, uh, I think one, one of your friends, uh, Sonia, was asking some questions that you decided to make into an episode about uh, yeah. questions about um, meditation. And one of the ones, you know, and, and I'll, we'll, we'll link back to that one as well. But um, one of the ones that she asked was the difference between um, meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could tease that out a bit, because uh, I think that's really important. And, you know, if, I know for the listener, it could have um, a lot of impact on, on how they live their, their day to day. Yeah. Well, the mindfulness i like to think of it as like meditation in action or or meditation in motion and i think there's it's so it's so dynamic but if you uh if meditation is really sitting quietly being very still not moving and bringing your attention to whatever the anchor is for your meditation. What maybe it's like counting your breath or whatever it is, just being present. But traditionally that kind of medit that's, that's, that's like what people think of when they think of meditation, you're just sitting still for that time and you're, you're practicing your technique and part of that is, you know, you're building the muscles of your your awareness your your choice you're choosing again and again and again and again to to let go and you know you can do that like 500 times or a thousand times when you sit and meditate but then like when so then how is that relevant when you're like up the moment you get off that cushion or that chair and then you know, you're, you're, you're getting up, you're going to the sink, you're going to fix your breakfast, you're going to, you know, start thinking about what you're going to do for the day. You're starting to plan. Like, 
I think of mindfulness is like the quality of attention you bring to all of that. And I think it's part of why it's so popular right now is because we are so distracted as a culture, right? We're overwhelmed with information. We're overwhelmed with stimulus. We're just overwhelmed with like more things to do. We're more isolated. So we have to take care of more things on our own. You know, we, we just, we all carry a lot, it seems like. And then I think one of the byproducts of that is your attention can, the quality of your attention can erode and cause you, 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 often your attentions get divided and you, you know, if you're like me, you're trying to do like sometimes 10 things at once and mindfulness is like, I would say it's the opposite of all that. It's the one pointed attention on whatever it is, the thing you're doing right now and giving everything to that and that alone, you just, you let go of everything else and whatever you're doing, that's it. And you're also, you're bringing the full spectrum of your awareness to bear. So in every, any given moment, there's so much to be aware of, as you know, it's like, you know, what, what are your five senses telling you right now with what you're doing? Like what, you know, where's your mind? Is it distracted? Is it, is it reacting or is it ruminating on some sort of loop? You know, what, what, uh, what's your, what's your ambient soundscape? What, you know, what, what is all the incoming them? So that's just the external. What, what about the internal? Cause you're also, there's just sensations. And then there's like currents or drives that are also moving you from within. And like in any given moment, it's just being attentive to everything that's happening. But if you're like at the sink and you're washing the dishes, part of it is how does the water feel? That's like Thich Nhat Hanh's you know, great examples like, and then how, you know, how does that, how does that wave of sensation roll through your body? And, you know, is your mind drifting away while you're washing the dishes or is it, are you really washing the dishes? You know, it's like Gary Snyder, chop wood, carry water. There's something just powerful and simple about being completely attentive to the thing you're doing right now and that's it. And even if you're even if you're not being attentive to that. And that so that's like mindfulness as I I think about it. And meditation I think of as like kind of a battery for mind meditation's like a battery that charges up your your meditative awareness and helps you be more mindful. So does that does that make sense about the difference? Totally. And, uh, do you relate, do you personally relate at all to, to that? 1000%. Nice. Um, it's interesting cause I, on so many levels, right? Personally. Yeah. Uh, that it helps you be more present in your relationships if you can practice this and, and, you know, and, and as something as simple as having a conversation with your significant other are yeah. you are you is your phone off is your uh you know are you st- looking at the person in the eyes are you responding are you listening are you you know and the the, the five senses check-in is so great because you can sort of 
take yourself through those checkpoints and like what are you you know what are you sensing with your you know your hands what are, what what taste do you sense in your mouth as you're speaking to this person what are you smelling what are you seeing what are you hearing yeah and you you as you activate each one of those senses it's it each it exponentially um exponentially like lifts your awareness to the point where you know the the uh, the, the everything is is just greater than the sum of the individual parts. yes yes and so obviously, obviously on that on that personal level, if people were to practice that, I think they would find that their interactions with their fellow human beings would just be that much more enhanced. Mm. And then when you think about it, um, you know, I think about it from a podcasting perspective, right? Yeah. I, I, interviews, right? Like, how many times do you take for granted um, a guest that you have on the show, and or or you know maybe you don't, but or it's a it's an important reminder to not do that. Yeah, and value how much more you could get out of that interaction if you were mindful yeah and if how much what additional insights could be pulled out because it's it's becomes this um this two-way give and take this flow right and as you become more present that activates something in the receiver that says this person is paying attention and they yeah. become more mindful. And yeah. then we, you know, you begin to be create this vortex of mindfulness, if you will. Uh, yeah. And I think that those types of interactions become so much more powerful, f- not only for both parties involved, but at the end of the day, the, the, the listener as well to say, wow, I, I can hear that these two people are connecting and mm. are mindful of each other in a way that's not normal in everyday life. Yeah. And it's activating something in me that's forcing me to pay even more attention than I normally would. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. I just want folks to sit with that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're tapping their, uh, they're checking their, their, their uh, iPhone at this moment in time. It's yeah. Like, did, did I lose the, the uh, episode? <laughs> I was, I was on a crescendo there. Yeah. I, I, there was a, uh, earlier in some of what you were saying, the, when you started talking about the, the relevance for a podcaster, I think another aspect of that is like, you know the the storytelling is so particular and i always i i'm always very compelled like really good storytellers they include unusual or the 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 uh, the landscape of the story is very particular if you know what i mean it's got it's 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 kind of arrayed with like color and those five senses that you were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, you need in a certain way, good storytellers, you, they, they have to be people who are really paying attention to their world because there's so much to share. When you really start paying attention, then you start to see the details in life. I'm always amazed at how much shit I miss. And then when I start to pay attention, it's there. I'm like, God damn, you know, I am missing 
so much. And that's just, you know, that's just part of it. That's part of being human, whatever. But like the richness of store of a really good storyteller, you can tell that is a very mindful person. They're very attentive to their environment. They're very attentive to detail. And I, I think so much of mindfulness is about, you know, the quality of attention you were just describing. One hallmark of that is this attention to detail really. And, and that it just grounds everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, the, the beginner shouldn't feel like this is something that's beyond their grasp of, of either comprehension or ability to, uh, begin to practice because as with all things, um, you start by doing, you know, in the first time you're not, yeah. you're not going to be an expert at all, but I think it's important to understand that I'm, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to master meditation yeah. until the day I die. You know, <laughs> like it's just one of those, you know, fascinating things in your life that you'll, in my mind, I'll always be a student, right? Yeah. And so you can just jump on that train like at any point, right? And yeah. and, and there sh- shouldn't be anyone listening that that thinks it's too late or they you know they don't know enough because quite honestly, one of the things I learned at Enlighten Next is there's no the instructions are fairly simple. <laughs> you sit, yeah. you sit, you sit, and you close your eyes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, our instructions were like terrifyingly simple. <laughs> You just let the universe happen and you, you just be there with it and not resist. Yeah, I think so many people get caught up in the, uh, how do, how do I do this? Or, you know, yeah. I got to pick up the meditation for dummies book and it's just, yeah. fa- I think there actually is one <laughs> and it's definitely, fa- and it's probably like 80 pages. And I'm like thinking, what could they possibly be covering <laughs> in that book? When, when you realize at the heart of it, it's just, you know, be still. Yeah. What is that quote? Is that, I don't know if it's Rumi or, or what it's, but there's a very powerful quote. It's just be still and know that I am God. I can't remember who that was, but I love, I love that quote. So how, talk to me about how, the importance of um, teachers and mentors, because you've had, you know, quite, quite the lineup of, uh, people to inspire you and that you have had the, the, the privilege of, of learning under. And so I'm wondering if you could talk about how, how important that is, um, to you and, in, in, in your practice as you've grown. And, and particularly with respect to meditation. Yeah. Or just in how you live, you know, how you choose to live your life. Yeah. I think, um, It's interesting, like, I wonder if you found this, like, for me, like, something categorically changed when I crossed the 40-year threshold, and, like, there there was, like, I think Amy Jo, our friend Amy Jo, I think, said this once, she's like, the 20s are for learning, and the 30s are for for yearning, and the 40s are for earning. Learning, earning, yeah, learning, yearning, and earning. And, um, I, it's kind of in certain ways it may be a little trite, but I think there's something to it. It's like, 
I, I felt that, or it might've been yearning, learning and earning. I don't know, but the, the, um, I think what happened when I turned 40 was I felt like for the first time in my life, I was like, I need to start looking to myself at, sorry about that, at, to like fundamentally generate my own direction, my own, and provide my, my own inspiration. And, you know, still, I feel like I have lots of mentors. Like I think of the folks from a, as my wife is texting me like mad right now, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Um, you know, I think about like the folks at copy blogger, like for me, they came they appeared at a, like a certain point in my life. And suddenly I started to study everything that they put out. And I was like, I can learn all of this and that and internalize it. And it's going to help me just help to define my own path. And, and, and part of that, the context for that was that I was in that ashram for 15 years and suddenly no home, no income. It was my job. It was my home. It was my community. All of that just dissolved. And so like my wife and I had to move back we lived with my parents for like six or seven weeks uh, and before moving to Boston. But it was like one of those moments of reflection or uh, inflection where suddenly it was like, all right, I'm on some way here. I'm on my own and I'm going to create something just from like my, just from my own sweat and see where I can go. And, and, before that, though, I think, you know, I, I obviously don't think I could have done any of what I've done over the last two years, like starting the podcast, building up about meditation.com and then, you know, without my mentors before. And I, I absolutely feel like there's something invaluable about spending time with a teacher or teachers to whom you give everything almost I, and, and really commit. And I know I did for my teacher. I it was probably like, I would never been so committed to one thing ever in my life before that. And it's exhilarating to give everything to like one pursuit, one, one person. And I really, you know, there's a lot of risk in that too, but I, for, my teacher, I feel like there are gifts that I received that are still like there were seeds, you know, that are just growing now. And I feel like the work I'm able to do, although I wouldn't have known it then, it's all built on that. It's all coming from that. It all comes from that time I spent. And and I think now though, being out of that community and being on my own, <clears throat> that was like necessary. It's like you need to jump out of the nest so that it becomes your own. And there was a certain way when I was in with my teacher so closely, I, I don't think I could have probably ever self-actualized in the way that I feel like now I can on my own, taking what I learned and making it my own. And I think for me, that's that's a lesson or that's like a theme that's pretty significant in my life right now relative to my mentors and relative to my teachers, which is how do I make this my own and grow 
grow it and tend it and, you know, reap the harvest, so to speak, over time. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think the value of, I, I, I had this experience too, Harry. I wonder, like, I, I had, I went to boarding school and then I was, I had my, what it was like 20 or 20, 20 year reunion a couple of years back. And I was able to go back to a bunch of those teachers and thank them. Mm. Cause some, some of them just, they, things that they had said had never left me. And I realized they had kind of become the fabric of like how in some fundamental way they colored how I saw the world. And so how I also understood happiness and how I understood like intelligence and how I understood, you know, a life of meaning and value. And a lot of that, I, I just felt so grateful to be able to close the loop and go back and just be like, look, you made a huge impact on me and thank you. You know, I, I, I feel like that was a precious thing to be able to like say thank you. And then I think with my most recent like teacher, the one who we, we kind of shared, you know, who was the leader of our community. It, I think because there was a kind of tumultuous breakup, it, it'll take a while for me to probably fully and be able to embrace and integrate like gratitude for everything I got out of that. But I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm totally clear about the fact that I got an amazing amount and, um, it's, I can't divide it from anything I'm doing at this point. It is, it just, it's, it's in me now. It's just part of me. And, I, there's no, I just wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it weren't for that. Is that too vague? Not at all. Okay. Not at all because, um, it's interesting. Um, it, it, it puts the relationship with your mentor in a context of, um, something that's cyclical and has yeah. a beginning and an end. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard uh, it described in a way that, that triggered that realization for me because mm. a lot of times people think we have teachers, we have, you know, uh, people that we learn from and at some point you need to apply what they've taught you. Yeah. And you can't be the eternal student because then you've, you're never going to be able to be in a position where you're, you've demonstrated that you've understood what it is that, that they've taught and yeah. apply your spin on it and then put it out in the real world and, and take it out for uh, a spin and, and see if it holds water. Yeah. Because a lot of, a lot of this, we can get stuck in the theory of it all and, and say, well, and you know, and then when we try to apply practice to it, it falls apart. Yeah. And then we, you know, what, what in fact did, did we get, taught and and did you know are we wasting our time sometimes we have to like really go back and forth and and put some of these out and field test it mm -hmm. um to see if if number one it resonates with you um and if you know it's something that that can be valuable for you as as you grow as a person yeah so that's that's great uh Great advice. I don't know if you realized you were giving advice, but <laughs> no. <laughs> I like the way you, you I like the way you spun it. That I like that a lot. So 
I resonate with that. Yeah. So you mentioned um, about meditation.com. Um, did, did that come soon after you realized you needed to have something that was, that was your own? Because um, I know you have a co-founder on that as well. Yeah. So I, I hadn't, when we left Enlightenext, I didn't really, I didn't have a clear sense of what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. And, and our mutual friend, Jeff Carrera, who I've interviewed on the, about meditation, the one mind podcast, you know, great teacher, interesting guy. And he recommended, or he introduced me with this gentleman who became my co-founder who had the site had been going for about a year about meditation.com. And it was kind of a, um, you know, it had, it, it was a curation site. So it curated a lot of information about meditation and he had a big kind of Facebook, uh, the, the Facebook page, I think it had like 60,000 fans. And that was like right before Facebook just like turned off the tap on like, you know, the reach, mm. you know, it was like back when you could post something on Facebook and like 30,000 people would see it, yeah, you know, it was like yeah. massive reach. And then it, you know, went down to like 300 and the, uh, I just felt like with Tom, Tom had like his interest and excitement for the site had kind of was languishing. He, he, was a former, he was a real, he's a businessman and he's a long time meditator, but he'd built and sold like a, a big market research firm and had spent 27 years as the CEO of that company. And this was a real, you know, it's just a small one among many side gigs for him. And he just, he needed someone to kind of take the wheel. And so it, it, I thought, well, okay, it marries a lot of my passions, writing, marketing, and meditation. And it's almost like in a certain way it felt like a sandbox in which I could like apply a lot of the principles and lessons I was learning about content marketing. So like, and also I'm sure in a lot of ways it's just therapeutic for me to just have an outlet, like you said, yeah. to be able to produce and create to do so in a context when I wasn't being micromanaged, I wasn't being uh, continually uh, evaluated. It was my, you know, it was mine. Basically, I could, you know, it, I had full reign over the creative direction. So that for me was all, all those things were important. And I thought, all right, well, I need something to. I need somewhere to put my attention. And so that was a kind of, I have felt like a, a productive uh, channel for that. And how's the, how's the response been since you've joined or how, how, yeah, how has the, is the site grown or? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, it's been great. I mean, we, I, you know, our, our email list was only like 500 people and now it's about, 12,500 people on our email list, nice. you know, the traffic has gone from like, I don't know, it's like 5,000 a month to now it's upwards of like 40,000 a month. You know, a lot of the, the, what the podcast is really continues to just grow and grow and the downloads are growing every day. And the, the um, you know, the SEO keeps improving 
and Google is sending us like more and more traffic. And I feel, you know, and then we got, I got into like Facebook advertising and finally started to get like regular sales going on the site with like, I have, I've had like 6,000 people take my meditation course on that site. And that was just, you know, so it was at first I offered it for free for like a year and a half. And then now it's been a paid product for about, I guess, six, six or eight months. And now we get, you know, it's like a, it's just a simple $20 kind of introduction, but now we're, you know, we're through like lead nurturing cycle. We get just some regular, you know, not quite daily, but almost sales on that. And I feel like I'm really happy with it and it's been, it, it, it's been an awesome, we're about to kind of pivot now into like, I'm going to step back from like the daily engagement with it. Cause well, my, I don't think I told you this. So my wife's pregnant. Yeah. And, I was going to mention uh, that as well. You mentioned that on the last episode or one of the last episodes. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you very much. So that has like about meditation was still just paying for itself. It wasn't paying me yet. So I, that had changed, obviously accelerated my focus on, I need to actually bring in some money. And so I've done, I've switched to doing consulting and we're, we're, you know, shifting the blog to be a multi-author blog. And I've got a bunch of monthly columnists lined up and we're going to relaunch in the new year. So it's going to become a much more diverse site with a lot more uh, content covering a wider spectrum of topics around meditation. And yeah, I'm super excited about that. We're, we're just getting more focused um, and at the same time expanding. That's awesome. Sounds like it's uh, a lot of good things happening. Yes. I'm excited. Really happy for you. Thank you, sir. Uh, we covered a lot here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, um, it's a broad spectrum we're hitting. Yeah, of course. What, and uh, just we'll do a couple more questions. Uh, yeah. What's What's been the response to the podcast? I mean, so far it's like, I, I think because like what you were saying early on, like it's so intimate that I think pretty quickly it's become the most valuable thing that we're doing. And, you know, I have people sign up or even buy some of our more advanced courses and they're like, it's great, but the podcast is really where the action is. And they're like, I've learned more from the podcast than I did from your course. And like that, wow. that's it. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. It It's obviously, I think where my heart is m- more because it's probably similar to you. I mean, it's just, I have I, I'd love to hear your take on this is like, I can't stop thinking about different shows, new shows <laughs> yeah, that I want to create. You know, it's just like, oh my God, you know, you could do this and it'd be great. And you know, I could tell this story and like, you know, there's so many opportunities. And so I think that, that kind of gets reflected a little bit. I mean, I get, uh, so it's really, the, the responses are really sweet. So I hear people write and they're just, it's clear it becomes a kind of a grounding force for people. And it's a, uh, slowly but surely you can just feel a a community 
of listeners is really growing and they, and they send stuff and then they ask for, you know, feedback or advice, or do you think X, Y, and Z? And, you know, I, I like being able to develop these relationships with people and share, you know, share my expertise. And at the same time, you know, I'm not, I try and remind people I'm not like a, I'm not a, um, licensed mental health practitioner. You know, I can, my, my expertise doesn't go beyond the boundaries of myself. You know, it, yeah. it's like I have a 20 plus years experience in depth with meditation, but like you, that experience wasn't also about dealing with trauma and dealing, which is a lot of what people ask me about. And there's obviously a real need for that. And I feel like I've learned more in certain ways through my therapy about processing trauma and processing emotional, emotionally challenging incidents than I have through meditation. And of course they're related, but, um, so that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, what have you changed your mind about recently? I've changed my mind. All right. So, uh, all right. So this is gonna, I mean, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope this doesn't come off as like too, it, I, I just say it. It's like, all right, since, since I, 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 since we, since there's been a podcast where we've talked a lot about like circled around the idea of God, um, we'll just like, I, I, and I, I use that word very loosely. I grew up in a Christian context and then that was not, you know, my, more or less my parents were secular Yeah. and I prayed growing up, but I never had an idea to whom or what I was praying. And it wasn't, we didn't go to church or anything. And then also with, with, uh, our spiritual community, there wasn't a strong idea of God. It was more of spirit. And, um, I think, you know, I, one thing that's changed recently is that the idea that like you can find God wherever you are, like there's just, you know, that interview I told you about earlier about the guy who's who, who really suffered. And his opening line was like, you know, someone asked me where I find God. And he's like, I find God in the light. I, I find God. It's the light that I find in the darkness. And he said, I was like, wow, you know, that's really interesting. But I think I've, I am experiencing that more in that, like, there's a certain, like, I spend so much time, like in a transcendent, medium, like going for transcendent experiences, getting off this plane of existence and like trying to go for higher, faster, like more like, uh, you know, out of these, out of this world experiences. And then I think a lot through my own experience of this kind of body-based therapy that I'm doing, finding like there's incredible richness in letting the pain of existence and the, and the suffering that's a normal part of being a human being. It's a completely normal part of being human to be, to not run from it, to let it actually impact me and, and let it actually hit me because it's all there. And I think so much of my life, I haven't had the, the vocabulary, mental, emotional, or spiritual vocabulary to, to 
deal with that and let it just be and not, not like turn away from it, but to, to really turn towards it and find, Oh my God, you know, I feel so much more connected with everybody, with everyone. When I just let my heart break because if it, it's like, it's fucking broken, man. Mm. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, I, and then like, it's like, it's just real. And I'm like, it's like that, uh, movie inside out from Pixar, you know, you, yeah. I saw him, I was like, I identified with the joy character who couldn't deal with letting the sadness be there. And then she finally recognizes, right. You can't have joy. Joy does not exist independent of sadness. True. And I know it's, again, as a kind of a superficial example, but it kind of hits it. And I, I think that's lately for me, that's been a huge change. Like seeing, seeing that God is like in every dimension of our humanity. It's not just like these transcendent experiences. It's like when your heart breaks, man, there's just this sweet pain of connection. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not going to. That, that's that's the bow on this conversation <laughs> yeah we don't need to say anything else at this point i think that you basically uh summarized what encapsulated what we're trying to capture here so um mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that thank you so much man thank you harry this has been it's, this has been a fantastic conversation yeah i'm really so glad you reached out i'm glad we connected and i'm grateful for the chance to be here with you and it's one of those um i have a friend uh, dave jackson he, he's always fond of this because of my podcast story and uh this is a prime example of because of my podcast mm. uh, we were able to reconnect and yeah you know, uh you know and, and i'm not gonna i'm gonna make sure that you know this connection remains now we're not gonna <laughs> fall yeah. out again so we're definitely gonna you know stay stay close and uh i'm just really excited about the way uh, the universe works to kind of put things into perspective and line things back up and make things whole again it's awesome yeah i and i'd love to interview you for my show i mean if you, you yeah. know you have a very interesting perspective now on practice and i'd love to to ask you about your meditation practice, but also hear more about if you're willing to talk about yeah, it, of course, the, the ceremonial context. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. More, more to come then. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, what's the, what's the best place for folks to track you down online? I think they can visit about meditation.com or, uh, they can also, yeah, I think that's the best way. And and you can always uh reach out to me at Modern Meditator on Twitter. And uh, the name of the podcast is The One Mind Podcast. Yeah, the One Mind Meditation Podcast. Yes. Well, Morgan, this has been a blast. I'm 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 yeah. I'm, I'm buzzing right now. So uh thanks again. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and uh I hope you have a, a fantastic week and holidays and uh we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Harry. Likewise, it's been a real pleasure. Take care. You too. So what do you think? 
Was that uh, relaxing? Did it make you think? Did it set you at ease? Did, you, did it set your mind at ease? I found myself in a very relaxed state during our conversation. And I think it's, uh, we're, we're both, it's a topic we're both uh, really interested in. So I think we, we sort of got into this zone, which was fantastic. It was really cool. And I felt it. I, I, you know, you heard me talk about it at the end of the episode, and uh, it's awesome. And it's almost like um, you start up, uh, vibrating at the same frequency. And I felt that's really like what we were doing uh, during this episode. So it was really cool. I liked it a lot. I hope you did too. And so I hope you enjoyed Harry's interview with me, and I definitely did. And if you want to learn more about Podcast Junkies or Harry and his work, I have included links in the show notes. Particularly, I encourage you to check out episode 47, my interview with Harry, all about meditation and affirmations. You can also learn about his show there. You can check out the show notes at aboutmeditation.com forward slash podcast and just look for episode 61. While you're over there, make sure to pick up our free meditation resources. We've got a series called Meditation for Life. It includes two free guided meditations and a three-part meditation seminar. I think you'll enjoy it. If you haven't picked those up already, I encourage you to do that over at aboutmeditation.com. And if you enjoy this show... One way to really help us out, one way to help other meditators discover our show is to leave us a rating and a review over on iTunes. And you can do that over at aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. Again, that is a super big help for us. And finally, I want to end with a quote, or rather, it's a poem. And it was a poem written by a street poet for my daughter. After my wife and I came home from the hospital, I was going to pick up a few supplies And there was a young woman there on the street. She had her typewriter set up and there read a sign that said, custom poems made to go. So I said, I gave her a little money. I said, my wife just gave birth. I'd love to have a poem. And this is the poem. And the poet's name, before we jump in, is Jenna Rose Nethercott. And I will include her website in the show notes. Here's her beautiful little poem for my daughter. There is a newness here, in the breaking open of the season, in the becoming of a new planet in the shape of a girl, little gravity, little tug from all angles. When the sky goes dark, it is pouring all it has into her reaching hands.